0: drivers just driving in bike lanes, (laughs) like all the time. (laughs) uh... I have a lot of coworkers, there are people who tell me that they'd love to do
1: the same thing if they, you know, felt like, like supported and safe on the streets. Your 80 year old grandmother that needs to cross the street to get to the bus stop because she no longer has a license or the mom that's walking her kids to school.
0: People are driving like crazy we should have to retake the test every time we renew our license. I live in Florissant. You don't see the police patrolling anything anymore. Yes, you have more tickets.
1: Enforcement is just one small component and I know in St. Louis it comes up time and time again. <laughs> um, but there are other things that we can be doing on our roadways related to physical components and roadway design that can help influence motorist behavior.
2: I'm Sarah Fensky. This is St. Louis on the Air. Pedestrian deaths have been on the rise across the U.S. And in St. Louis in the past year, we saw a huge jump. The 22 pedestrians killed in the city last year represent the highest total deaths in more than two decades. St. Louis resident Pete Henry is an avid cyclist, dog walker, and pedestrian. He often bikes to work. But his job involves driving a van around the region. And he told us that those numbers come as no shock based on what he's seen.
0: When I'm just driving around, like, for work and stuff, it's it's almost, like, not surprising. Uh, I don't, I'm having people, like, just do insane things, <laughs> like... I'll be, like, you know, at a stoplight, and the, our light, my light will turn green, and it'll have been green for a while, and some, someone just comes, like, ripping through, like, the intersection. And it's, like, I don't know how more traffic accidents, just like car accidents, don't happen more, like, much less, like, pedestrian accidents.
2: Now Pete Henry said he noticed a change in driver behavior early in the pandemic. During the initial lockdown, he often biked around town and what few drivers were out there weren't just civil, but downright friendly at times.
0: They would be like yeah, be like, Yeah, go get it, yeah, ride your bikes, all right, that's cool. And like, oh this is great and there's like nobody ever on the road, like it was like so peaceful and like just like I guess refreshing and like recharging for us. And then uh it was like probably about like May or June that we started noticing just like a little bit more like build up of like just like a little like hostility and like anxiety and there's almost just like a tension that you could start to feel like on the road. My girlfriend was like just riding out in Kirkwood and she had like this old white lady just yelling at her just like in such rage that she was like in the bike lane (laughs) like like Like, this person's driving by and is just screaming at my girlfriend, like, for no reason. Like, just because she was
2: there. And that is city resident Pete Henry. He says he's become convinced that a big part of the solution should be driver education.
0: I think, like, traffic calming is pretty jamming. Like, a lot of the things that just, like, kind of help, like, you know, the speed bumps that have been being put in around or, like, things that do that, like, I think are pretty excellent. But then... Like, I I regularly see, like, drivers just driving in bike lanes, (laughs) like, all the time. (laughs) And, and, like, when someone's getting their license or getting their license renewed, just, like, getting the ball rolling on that, just to be like, do cyclists and pedestrians have the right of way? And, like, it's like, yes, they do. (laughs) Like, like... Should you be aware of pedestrians and cyclists? Like, yes, you should be. Like, you should keep an eye out for them. Like, you don't, you aren't allowed to just be doing, like, 50 in a 25 residential. Like, it's like someone is going, like, makes me sound old. Like, I feel like, it's like I'm a parent now, and I'm not. But, like, someone's going to get hurt or die, which clearly been happening now.
2: Now, Pete Henry is not the only person thinking about these issues or coming to that conclusion. Jackie Knight is a multimodal planner with a master's degree in urban planning. She's also the chair of St. Louis's Community Mobility Committee, and she's passionate about making local streets safer for everyone who uses them. And so she joins us today to discuss the tricky part, how to do that. So, Jackie Knight, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. So, Jackie, when you heard that
2: St. Louis saw a jump from 12 pedestrian fatalities in 2019 to 22 last year, what did you make
1: of that? Were you surprised by that increase? You know, I think that increase is shocking, but I think it's important to remember that um, the, this increase happened, you know, pretty much throughout the nation. So I think we all need to look at our roadway and how the pandemic has impacted driver behavior and the lessons that we can learn moving forward to keep our streets, our streets safer.
2: I'm curious to hear your theory on this. You know, we all know there were fewer cars on the road last year. What do you think would explain such a big increase in
1: fatalities? So, um, you know, congestion is actually a little bit of traffic calming in and of itself, (laughs) Um, You know, when cars are driving around other cars, drivers might feel like they have to be a little bit more cautious. They might not be able to get their speeds up as much. And during the pandemic, we saw a drastic increase of people that are commuting to work, people that were just, you know, going out for things that weren't occurring. So um, roadways, you know, essentially became much larger, um, much bigger spaces for these motorists to, you know, not abide by the traffic laws um, and to, to travel, you know, in some in some respect with disregard to the other modes of transportation that are out there.
2: Hmm. It's interesting. We all think about traffic flow as being such a good thing, but being jammed up, it, it had its benefits.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, definitely we don't want to, you know, promote traffic congestion in the sense that it's not really a sustainable thing. Sure. But when there are other cars on the road, you know, inherently motorists feel like they have a little bit more responsibility to other motorists. And when they're not there, it, it really can promote this this poor behavior that we, <laughs> saw on our roadways this past year. And this poor behavior,
2: it affects um, so many people, because let's face it, like this is a very car-centric city. Um, Pretty much everybody here drives. I shouldn't say everybody. There's a lot of people who are are trying to make it work without cars, but so many of us are just using our cars to get from point A to point B. It's so easy to find parking. Sometimes we drive even when we could walk. Um, From a planning perspective, why do you think this is such a car-centric place?
1: Well, I think um, a little bit of our, our growth pattern has made us a car-centric place um, with jobs being located throughout the St. Louis region, um, you know, different types of housing located throughout the St. Louis region, and the ease of, of traveling on the interstate, you know, to get to your your job um, in somewhere in St. Louis, St. Charles County, you know, maybe work in the city. I think that's definitely played a role. Um, our growth patterns have played a role in our commuting patterns.
2: Hmm. So last fall, we had Angie Schmidt on this show. She was a great guest. She's a real expert in this area. She wrote this book, uh, Right of Way, Race, Class, and the Silent Epidemic of Pedestrian Death. She was on this issue even before this big spike. Um, Her book points out we often tend to blame the pedestrian in these accidents. We think like, oh, they must have been jaywalking. But as she points out, we don't blame the impossible roadscape that gives people nowhere good to cross. There's maybe not a, a crosswalk. There's not a safe place to go. In general, do you think we need to rethink the design we have in this city and maybe rethink the idea of prioritizing cars as as much as we're all dependent on them?
1: Yeah, I think um, that's definitely something that we need to focus on. Just really quickly, though, I think another way to look at this is that, you know, typically in the past, we've referred to these as accidents, um, but it's really important to change that narrative to crashes. Mm -hmm. You know, an accident is something that is is totally unavoidable, unforeseen something that happens, and a lot of these crashes are really um, you know highly preventable with a little bit better roadway design, um, a little bit more attention to all modes of transportation, and so I think you know we definitely need to try to change that narrative going forward. Um, but you know a lot of what Angie Schmidt promotes is focusing on roadways that are safe for users of all ages and abilities. So. While we traditionally have been planning our roadways, at least since the advent of the automobile um, for cars to travel from point A to point B, B, one way to think about it is to really kind of like switch that um, idea of planning and think about planning our roadways for our most vulnerable road users. So that's, you know, your 80-year-old grandmother that needs to cross the street to get to the bus stop because she no longer has a license, or the mom that's walking her kids to school. Um, Those road users are more vulnerable than someone driving in an automobile, and so we really need to focus our planning efforts on those people.
2: Well, if you're listening to this conversation and you have some ideas on this, we want to hear from you. Um, what would make the streets in your community safer for everyone? You can give us a call at 314 382 8255. That's 382 TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air, or you can email us at talk at STLpublicradio.org. Now, Jackie, you currently serve as the chair of St. Louis's Community Mobility Committee. What got that effort started?
1: Yeah, the Community Mobility Committee is something I'm extremely proud to be a part of. Um, the group started actually in, in 2017 as the Bike Share Working Group. Um, I'll try to give a, a brief close notes of how we got to where we are today, but there's actually a very long collaborative history, hmm. which is the beauty of the group. Um, so in 2017, the Bike Share Working Group was spearheaded by a woman that worked at Metro Transit. And we really focused on how can we bring bike share to St. Louis. The goal was to see bike share as a first mile, last mile um, gap connector. That is, you know, your bus doesn't go directly to your house, but if you could get on a bike and go from your bus to your house, um, how that might look. So hmm. equity was a huge component of that group. Um, we, we explored all options of docked-based models, ended up on a dockless model. The group was instrumental in developing a permit that's actually been um, highlighted by the National Association of City Transportation Officials as a really outstanding permit for these companies operating in the right-of-way. Hmm. So we brought that dockless model to St. Louis. Um, you know, Fast forward, these companies kind of switched their idea of how bike share or um, shared vehicles looked to them. So really, we only had scooters operating in St. Louis at the time. Mm. But we had this energy of this group of people that was a very diverse group of people, people that really wanted to collaborate, and people that just generally had a passion for making our streets safer. And we thought, how can we continue to harness this energy? So we decided to develop the Community Mobility Committee. Um, Other cities have, you know, bike or pedestrian advisory committees, but we didn't really want to focus on one mode of travel we wanted this committee to really be focused on enhancing mobility for the entire um, city of St. Louis for all modes of transportation. So we were formalized in March, 20, in March 2020 via a resolution at the Board of Aldermen, um, and now we are just full steam ahead, you know, trying to get stuff done.
2: That's awesome. Well, it's great to hear about this committee. This sounds like a lot of energy going into a topic so many people are passionate about. Right now, our phones are blowing up, which is, is a great sign that there's a lot of interest in this issue. I understand one of the things um, that this committee worked on was getting a work zone mobility ordinance passed. Can, can you tell us what that was about?
1: Yeah. So the work zone mobility ordinance is something that was passed um last march and we've all seen the construction that's taking place in st louis i think it's really exciting when we see new developments Um, it's necessary when we update our infrastructure but oftentimes bikes and pedestrians get left out of the mix when looking at routes around and through construction zones so what the work zone mobility ordinance essentially is is when construction is taking place on buildings adjacent to the public right-of-way or within the public right-of-way that contractors need to provide some sort of safe path of travel for pedestrians and cyclists either through or around the construction zone. So typically, you know, we wouldn't close a lane of travel to vehicular traffic without, you know, any sort of notification or any sort of like plan of where you should go. But we were finding a lot of times sidewalks would just be closed or bike lanes would just end. And so this ordinance um, is fairly recent, but it essentially lays out a matrix of the types of treatments that should be considered during these construction times so that pedestrians and cyclists still have safe ways to travel. Hmm. And this is now the law in St. Louis City? It, it was an ordinance that was passed in March, 2020. Um, and the bill lays out some items as far as you know inspectors and the matrix of um, the matrix of elements that have to be included you know unfortunately it's going to be hard for someone to be out there monitoring this all the time sure but it is definitely something that's on the book so if you see something and you can um you know send something to citizen service bureau then then by all means i think that's a, a good thing to do
2: we need to take a quick break we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with jackie this is st louis on the air on st louis public radio 90.7 kwmu And now back to our conversation. My guest today is Jackie Knight. She's the chair of St. Louis's Community Mobility Committee. And we want to hear what you think would make the streets in your community safer for everyone. We're hearing a lot on uh, our social media. That's our St. Louis on the Air Facebook group as well as on Twitter. We have a number of callers. Uh, but we also do have some open phone lines. So if you have an idea, you can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on Air. So, Jackie, we talked about this Work Zone Mobility Ordinance. Um, What else are are the major focuses of this Community Mobility Committee at this point?
1: Yeah, so um, a, a major focus is engagement. Like I have mentioned, we are a collaborative group. We want to represent the population of St. Louis City, and we want diverse experiences. So, you know, the way I experience walking on the street as a pedestrian is how I experience it as as a mom with my husband and my two young children, but that could be very different from someone how someone else experiences our transportation system. So um, our engagement committee is really focused on getting out there and um, recruiting members to join our 31 member uh, body, and also you know just trying to get input to attend our meetings. Um, and, and hear about different transportation related things. And then another big topic that I do wanna highlight is um, a, a subcommittee that we formed right away after the pandemic was our open street subcommittee. So we saw throughout the nation and throughout the world last year, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, streets were opening their streets to people. And so I like to say opening their streets to people as opposed to closing streets, because again, it's just that mentality about how we think about things. Hmm. And even in St. Louis, we saw the streets in our parks open to people in Tower Grove Park and Carondelet Park and Forest Park um, because space was really at a premium. So this subcommittee is focusing on how can we continue those type types of events so that people have safe spaces to get outside and to be active. Um, and then the group is also you know looking at, at establishing a parklet program in the city of St. Louis That is where you um, take a space that's typically reserved for a motor motor vehicle, an on-street parking space, and instead you repurpose it into a public space um, where pedestrians and passerbys can, you know, sit down and take a load off, um, interact with their neighbors, and different things like that. Hmm. Boy, these all sound like such great
2: ideas. I'm feeling a a sense of optimism just hearing you outline these goals. I do want to go to the phone lines. We have some listeners with some ideas as well. And Elizabeth is calling from St. Louis. Elizabeth, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hello. Hello. How are you?
0: Um, I thought that this isn't going to be popular and no public official would ever mention it, but I think we should have to retake the test every time we renew our license because I drive 25,000 plus miles a year around here and no one's yielding or using their blinker and when they're going up the two lane ramp they think they're merging lanes should you should automatically be able to stop and let them in front of you when they're behind you. They are just, people are driving like crazy and I think they should have to retake the test.
2: Boy, Elizabeth, you you make a great case there. I see some people here at our own station who are are shaking their head in horror. They do not want to take that test again, but it does seem like it could solve a lot of problems. Thank you for that suggestion. Let's go to Al, who's calling from St. Louis. Uh, Al, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air.
0: Hey, how are you?
2: Thanks for joining us, Al. What's what's your idea to make things safer out there?
0: Uh, My idea is to reduce the speed limit, uh, particularly on the highway. I think we have too many fast cars on the streets that really need to be on a race track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And so if you reduce the speed limit, therefore as a result, more tickets can be uh issued out and maybe uh protest I mean not protest but uh, the drivers on the street will uh, uh uh get it, you know what I'm saying because I don't think they quite get it. So if you issue out more tickets, okay, and uh they end up in court. Now you have to pay for your uh, 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 traveling over the speed. Well, limit.
2: that's a that's a great point, and that tends to get people's attention. I'll tell you that as a driver who, in my youth, racked up quite a few tickets. Um, Jackie, what what about this idea of lowering speed limits? Is this something that the mobility
1: committee has talked about? So this topic has actually come up at our most recent meeting in January. And so the way um, speed limits are traditionally set is in the transportation engineering realm. And I don't want to get into the specifics about that because we could talk about it forever. (laughs) That would be on our show (laughs) right there. There's there's definitely different, you know, design things that come into play when when speed limits are set on streets. Um, However, there is this new thinking that particularly on residential streets. So I do want to clarify that. Sure. um, But particularly on residential streets where you are going to have a higher... Higher volume, most likely, of pedestrians, of cyclists, um, you know, is what our our speed limits are on our residential streets. Is that really appropriate? Um, I think right now in St. Louis, it's it's 25 miles per hour, which is pretty standard. Um, mm-hmm. But the National Association of City Transportation Officials, like I had mentioned previously, um, they are their organization is really focused on um, repurposing our streets for people, and so they did just put out guidance about setting the speed limits and where cities have potentially reduced speeds from 25 to 20 miles per hour. It is a topic that's come up and Based on our discussion at our meeting in January, the Community Mobility Committee is um, hoping to establish a subcommittee looking at traffic calming and speed limits and working in conjunction with the city to identify, um, you know, a path forward looking at speed limits and traffic calming options.
2: Okay, well, that's great to hear. That's something you guys are are thinking about, talking about, and and proceeding with some care on. Al, I want to thank you for that idea. Let's go back to the phone lines. Jeff is calling from North St. Louis County. Uh, Jeff, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air.
0: I think this whole thing is a result of blaming and disrespect for the police since Black Lives Matter and the Ferguson unrest. I live in Florissant. You don't see the police patrolling anything anymore. And why should they? Uh, uh, Right away, you're called names and shit and everything else. Um, Call them and they will come. But... I've been driving since 1974, and it has never been more dangerous to drive than it is now.
2: Jeff, thank you for for sharing that perspective. And I will say, um, when we put this out to our listeners, we heard this over and over. Now, not everybody had the same theory of of what's driving this as what Jeff expressed. But people said the police just are not enforcing traffic laws. Um, Pete wrote on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, um, you need to enforce traffic laws related to red light running, stop sign running, and street racing. I moved here last year from another mid-sized city, and I've never seen such homicidal driving as I have in St. Louis. This is in downtown West as well as in North St. Louis. Thank you for bringing attention to this issue as media and policymakers need to bring more focus on this nonviolent crime wave. Jackie, this does come up time and again that we just see drivers blowing right through red lights. Sometimes you'll see a police officer sitting right there. They don't seem to take action. Has your committee discussed that part of things?
1: so the enforcement component of roadway and transportation planning um is definitely a tricky component Mm -hmm. so traditionally there's these e's that that are involved in transportation planning it's engineering it's education it's engagement it's um enforcement and enforcement can help but there are physical things that we can do to promote better driver behavior So if a car feels like they can't go fast, then inherently they won't go fast. So enforcement is just one small component. And I know in St. Louis it comes up time and time again. (laughs) Um, But there are other things that we can be doing on our roadways related to physical components and roadway design that can help influence motorist behavior. And then also the education. I know a caller brought up earlier about retaking the driving test. But, you know, when we design, redesign roadways or when we put in new treatments that maybe we're not traditionally used to seeing as motorists, how can we educate the public of the best way to um, operate those treatments? You know, for example, if we put in a flashing beacon, I'm sure you've seen those up on places like Manchester and Grabway, where pedestrians have the right-of-way to cross the street at an unsignalized crossing A lot of motorists might not know that they're supposed to stop at that. Mm -hmm. So how can we better educate the public about what they should be doing when we're installing these new treatments that we might not traditionally be used to seeing in St. Louis?
2: Okay. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Christine is calling from St. Louis. Christine, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air.
0: Hi. Thank you. Um, And I was just really happy to hear this topic. I actually bike commute or walk commute to work every single day, so I'm quite familiar with this, and I think it's really great – I know I have a lot of coworkers or people who tell me that they'd love to do the same thing if they you know, felt like you know, like supported and safe on the streets. So I think that this is important action. And then playing into the piece about um, education, I was just thinking of incorporating more of like the pedestrian piece into driver's ed courses. Um, mm-hmm. I think some drivers are just not sure how to act around cyclists um, or just really emphasizing
1: that it could also help. Thank you,
2: Christine. I think that's that's a great idea, um,
1: Jackie. I, I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, I think that the education component is is critical. You know, typically because of the way we've planned our cities since the advent of the automobile, people see streets as spaces for cars. But the reality is, is streets are public spaces, and so we need a way to educate motorists and. We need a way to educate motorists so that they operate um, their vehicle when they're traveling understanding that other people and other modes of transportation are going to be traveling on the street at the same time as them. Mm
2: -hmm. We heard from a listener on Twitter, uh, Earthling says, I share Pete's experiences on bike in St. Louis. Biking from South City to Midtown is downright treacherous, in large part because motorists drive with a disdain for bikers. But this disdain is also built into the streets themselves. Bike lanes are absent where they're needed the most. And Dave says he's all about road diets. He writes, shrink the roads to reduce speeds of and the effective distances of pedestrian crossings. Often, streets have four lanes where two plus a center lane would accomplish the same through. The extra space can be used for dedicated bike lanes, on-street parking, or other features to separate cars and pedestrians. Jackie, you're working there with the, the Board of Aldermen and with the mayor's office, and I know no matter what happens, we're getting a new mayor this spring. But is there an appetite over at City Hall to take on these kind of road diets that we're talking about, to turn things over to parklets rather than extra lanes of, of driving or to just put in more bike lines.
1: Yeah, I think there's a big appetite. I want to commend the city of St. Louis. We have representatives from multiple departments that sit on the community mobility committee. You know, they're coming to our meetings and they're hearing what we have to say and they're working with us on ways to accomplish some of these items. And then also, I do want to highlight that... Um, at the board of aldermen last week resolution 91 was introduced which will be heard in the transportation and commerce committee meeting on Thursday that outlines the need for a strategic transportation and mobility comp- so um there is definitely an appetite for this and we we have to you know garner some of this energy so that we can, you know, really move forward and make our streets safer.
2: So, Jackie, we're hearing from so many people today. We're not going to be able to get um, to many more of these calls, if any. Um, We'll see if we can squeeze one more in. But um, here in the meantime, you know, we're also hearing from so many people on social media. If people are passionate about this topic, is there a way that they can support the work your committee is doing? Are you looking for more members or are you just looking for more of a groundswell of, of people raising these issues?
1: We are looking for both. So we do have a website on the um, city of St. Louis webpage for the community mobility committee. Um, Hopefully that's something I can send to you and we can post on the story, but uh, we we will do that. Absolutely.
2: So for those of you who want that information, we'll get that on our website, stlpublicradio.org. We'll make sure to get that up this afternoon. Uh, Jackie, sorry, continue. Oh
1: yeah. Um, So, so we are looking for more voting numbers and you know, there are, uh... uh, Jackie, I may have just lost A few you. Things you have to do in order to do that. Mainly, because is, oh, can you hear me? Um, now can I can. Something very
2: strange just happened, okay. but I think you're back with us.
1: Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, so I guess just to wrap up with that, we are looking for more voting members, and then we are looking for um, people to just attend, people to give us input on ways they want to see our streets become safer, and really people just to spread the word of the work that we're doing so that we can really grow um, our advocacy towards this issue. Okay.
2: And just one last question here. We've been talking a lot about the bad news. Um, You know, these deaths were up in this last year, and and that's a terrible thing um, with a huge human toll. But do you see any good um, coming out of this pandemic
1: that maybe we're rethinking our relationship with the roads? I do. I think that the good that's coming out of this pandemic is streets. It really opened cities eyes to what their public infrastructure has traditionally been planned for. Hmm. And it really has gotten people starting to think about how we need to maybe rethink some of that planning and how we can focus it on people. You know, space during the pandemic has been at a premium, and I think it will continue to be that way in a post-COVID world. So is the best use of space always for um, vehicles and how can we rethink some of our public space? for people, for cyclists, um, and things like that. Jackie Knight,
2: uh, chair of St. Louis's Community Mobility Committee. I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and talking
1: about all these efforts. Thank you for having me on the air, and thank you for highlighting our group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you.